I called this sermon, I Don't Feel No Ways Tired. I listened to the gospel ensemble sing that piece and I think, gosh, I didn't mean to lie in my sermon title. I actually do feel tired. I am so tired, tired in my bones, tired in ways that I don't, I don't ever remember feeling except for that crazy four month period when I first got to middle church between January and Easter. And I was learning a new job with a new bunch of people and finishing a PhD dissertation all at the same time. Child, I wrote five chapters between January and April and was being mentored by Gordon. It wasn't like, take some time and do your PhD, Jackie, no. It was drinking from a fire hose and learning at the same time and writing all at the same time. I've not been tired like that since 16 years ago. But if I'm honest right now, my body hurts. My head hurts. I'm so exhausted from the fire, the full-time work that having a fire is. Though I have an amazing team, though there are incredible staff people holding pieces of this firework, though the collegiate church is collaborating with us and we have volunteers that are helping to raise money every single day, I'm on fire with fire. I'm on fire with fire. I'm tired from fitting that in to ministry, fitting that into what the work that we have to do. And the sad backdrop of the fire like depresses me, right? I don't lose the picture of seeing the building in flames. I don't lose the feeling of Susan and Claudia calling me and saying the church is burning down. All of that sits right here. It sits here in the backdrop of 2020. It sits here in the backdrop of closing down the church on March 15th with a few of us in there socially distancing, singing, dancing, and preaching. All of this time of isolation and aloneness and separateness, trying to do in the digital space what we could do in the physical space. I'm so tired of Zoom. Are you tired of Zoom? And that, that's just one piece of 2020. What about the crazy political shenanigans? You don't need me to rehearse them, but didn't they just wipe you out? And will you ever unsee the knee of that police officer on the neck of George Floyd? Will you ever not see Ahmaud Arbery? Will you ever not see Breonna Taylor? Will you ever not see just the wholesale onslaught of violence against black bodies, nine-year-olds whose parents might call because the child was having a, a, a mental health issue and she ends up in the snow being tackled by police and tased. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of being black in America and having my life not matter and having to smile through microaggressions and shoulder through insults and watch the craziness of January 6th and have it be brushed over by Republicans who, who want to stay in office. And I'm so tired of the wrong being pretended to be as good as the right. I'm so tired of it's good people everywhere. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the way America works, the way the globe works. I feel exiled all the time from the best life, the democracy that we were planned, the, the love relationships that I want us to have as a community of, of neighbors in New York, in New York State, in the nation. I feel like we are exiled from our best selves. 
Our text today has the Babylonian exile as a backdrop. It's not just that, but, but these people have been at war. They've been at war with the Chaldeans. They've been at war with Babylon. They've been captured and taken the best and brightest of them away, leaving the ones who really couldn't fend for themselves, the weak, not the artisans, the, the underskilled, the, the, the people on the margins at home. The, the Israelites go to Babylon. They become a little bit like Babylon. They become a little curious about the gods of Babylon. And the ones left in Jerusalem, the ones left at home, they struggle. And, and then the remnant returns, and, and, and now we're in this culture of mixed messages. And whose God, actually, are we worshiping? When Isaiah writes this text, or whoever in the Isaiah community writes this text, they're writing directly into a question, a conversation about who is God? These tired people, these exhausted people, these people who who have experienced xenophobia, these people who are exhausted, like we're exhausted, of the way racial dynamics work, of the way class works, the way enmity works, these tired people, they're curious. They're wondering, does God still exist? If so, does God hear them? If so, does God see them? Where's the evidence? And, and you can tell there's been conversations about other gods because, because Isaiah is saying, look, hey, hey, that astral God that the Babylonians worship, that God, the God you think this in the stars, this God, our God, the one true God, this God who created you is the same God that created the stars and flung them in the sky and knows each of the stars so intimately that God knows when one of them has burned out. This God, our God, the one true God, the God that heard your cries and rescued you from bondage, the God that understands your suffering and heals you, the God who has forgiven you for the trespasses that got your behinds in trouble with Babylon, that God, that God is an awesome God and knows you and loves you and is here and present to you and with you. This God, the one God, the one God never gets tired, though you are tired. And, and the one who knows this God, though they trip and fall, though they feel exhausted like I do, they will renew their strength and rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. This God can energize you, can re-equip you, can find you in your fatigue and resuscitate your soul. God, how I need that word today. I need today to remember that I am not by myself. I need today to remember that I have a community of faith that when I'm exhausted, holds up my arms, reminds me that it's gonna be okay. I need to notice, I need to notice all around me is evidence of love and support and kindness. And I need to articulate for my community that because we are tired, because the nation is tired, because the globe is tired, we too can be distracted, like Israel, by rival gods. No, not the astral god of Babylon. That's, we're too sophisticated for that. 
<laughs> We're not creating idols like that. But our hearts can be captured and tricked and fooled into being guided by having the worldview of other gods, other gods who want to claim us. Gods like fear, like xenophobia, like heteronormativity, still. A God that, 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 that can't get with the non-binariness of some of God's people. We can have ideologies that capture our imagination that somehow our wealth is more important than someone else's poverty. That somehow Jewish people created lasers that started the fires in the wilderness of California. Come on. We are more subtle now, but still Christianity traffics in different gods. And in the guise of having a personal relationship does not look past the individual salvation and think about the whole community of faith. I invite any of you to look up where in the Bible it says, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Christianity splinters around which God, which Jesus, we have allegiance to. In our exhaustion, we can fall prey to being individualistic as opposed to a community of faith. We can fall prey to imagine that, that we don't have to hold ourselves and our people accountable to the truth that this nation is languaging around the old time religion called racism. I'm so tired of having the same conversation over and over again, hoping to convert some of us to see that if we're not a part of the solution, we're part of the problem, to see that if we can't turn left and right and ask our families, our communities to be accountable, to, to, to disavow themselves of the God of whiteness, then we, we are not actually having a personal relationship. Let's say there was a Christian pastor who happened to be a part of the Dutch Reformed Church in America and say they lived in New York and say they started the Collegiate Church and say that pastor who had a personal relationship with Jesus had slaves and let their slaves get baptized and let their slaves get married and let their slaves' children get baptized but kept their slaves in bondage? Which personal relationship were they having with which Jesus? And which relationship were they having with which God? That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying, like the people to whom this text was addressed, we too can be fooled about the God to whom we're praying. In our fatigue, we can buy into false religion. 
And with the text promises that when we're tired, God will not be tired. That when we're exhausted, God is not exhausted. That when we turn toward God, when we turn toward the one God, the true God, we can have our lives, our souls resuscitated, rejuvenated. We can rise up on eagle's wings and run and not get weary and walk and not get faint. Friends, the, the, the ministry that we're in, the life we're called to live is not a sprint, it is a marathon. And it is not an individual race. We have batons to pass on. We as a whole community are called to get to the promised land of justice together. There is no personal relationship unless the relationship is privately about healing our souls and publicly about healing the world. Privately about getting our lives right with God, publicly about making sure that everybody's got food on the table, that everybody has enough. This is our calling. This is our ministry. This is our job. I do feel tired. But the tense of that is errorist and right now because I am promised restoration and I am promised rejuvenation and I am promised exaltation. I am promised liberation in relationship to my God and my community. Let us run this race, this marathon race together, following a God who wants to relate to you and me and to all the people who wants our freedom and liberation and theirs as well. This is the religion of Yeshua ben Joseph, our mentor, our model, who keep us running on the race. Amen. <laughs>